the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have Lara Logan, our guest here on America First. Welcome, welcome. Thank pull, you. pull the microphone closer to you. About you got it. it. You, oh, wow. There thank you, thank you. She made it. So important <laughs> she's here for two segments. We, ha- we could have you here for hours. First things first. Yes. And that's your camera. So I know a lot oh. of people will be switching on the live stream video for this segment. <laughs> um, first things first, yes. we doff our caps. We recognize we give you full kudos for what you have done standing up for the truth as a journalist and the interview you gave recently, it was a massively long, it was a couple of hours that you gave. Yes, because it was a podcast, Mic Drop. Mic Drop. Okay, the Mic Drop podcast was superb. Thank um, you. I, I just, can, can I just play, I'm going to play a video cut for you. You can okay. watch it on the screen behind you. And as a professional in the media, this is from huh. this morning, this is from Joe Scarborough. I want you to just give your opinion as a professional of this video cut on okay. Stephen Miller. Play the video. The whole world will soon see the president's powers will not be questioned. The apex of executive authority will not be questioned. The powers of the president will not be questioned. Worldwide, to all of planet Earth, the powers of the president will not be questioned. The powers of the president will not be questioned. Unquestioned military strength, Sean Spicer, is 100% correct. The powers of the president will not be questioned. The president of the United States is correct 100%. The powers of the powers of the president will not be questioned. Not be questioned. Will not be questioned. The powers of the president will not be questioned. Are you serious? Yeah, we didn't make that. That that was on Joe Scarborough's Morning Joe show this morning. Why? You're asking me. You're the journalist. Well, I mean, <laughs> because, I don't, because, I, because 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 last night and this I'm morning, shocked. Ilhan Omar tweeted out that Stephen Miller is a white supremacist, white nationalist. A colleague of mine in the White House who is of Jewish parentage is a white nationalist according to Congressman Omar, and then that's what Joe Scarborough shows. So just give us your professional analysis on that clip, if you would, please, Lara Logan. Well, the uh, first and most obvious thing about that clip is that it's not journalism, it's propaganda. Doesn't, right? doesn't it look, I'm sorry, I, look, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let me ask a question. Does that not look like Nazi fascist propaganda? Yes, it does. That's America. This is an American news program. Well, what's very interesting about this is that what I've observed of the tactics of uh, this movement is that they like to accuse people of doing exactly what they're doing. So, (laughs) you know, and you see that time and time and time again, right? When they say uh, that, you know, uh, there's a misuse of the intelligence agencies, it's um, they're the ones who misuse the intelligence agencies. When uh, they say that um, you're intolerant, they're the ones who are intolerant. And I don't say this as a conservative. I say this as an independent-minded um, person and as an independent journalist. That And how do I get to this conclusion? Well, because I look at the stories that are reported, and I try to separate the fact from the fiction. And I try to see what is my duty as a reporter to follow up on. And I don't, uh, I don't find anything. 
I don't find anything of substance. Or when I do find something that may be of substance and I follow it up, it turns out to be nothing but propaganda and lies. And, and in fact, before I even get there, it so contradicts the facts as we know it. You know, you see a headline and you go to see what the law says about that. And the law contradicts it. So when it's that easy to um, independently verify that what you're being told is untrue, you know, then there has to be a follow-up question to that, right? They used to call me the follow-up honey badger at 60 Minutes. <laughs> the follow-up honey, honey badger. We like it. that. I'm the follow-up honey badger because honey badgers are relentless. And that was how I was. I was always listening to what people were saying, and I'm still, I'm still that way. And, uh, and so the obvious follow-up question is, why are you printing something that is so easily independently verifiable? And disprovable. As, yes. Right. Why? So I have in front of me a report. This is from CNBC.com. It's about uh, tax cuts. It's, it's supposed to be a journalistic report of the Trump tax cuts. It's called Few Americans Think They're Getting a Trump Tax Cut. So the second bullet at the top of the story says, just 17% of people believe they owe their own taxes will go down. That's pretty damning, yes? 17%. But the important point here is they believe. Hidden at the end of the story is the following. Uh, in reality, 8 out of 10 Americans stand to receive tax cuts in 2018. Isn't that the definition of a buried lead? Isn't that, isn't that how you misrepresent things, Laura Logan? Well, you know, this is the problem. Uh, because you used some very – sorry, you, in that podcast, yes. uh, drop the mic, uh, mic drop, you used some very powerful language. You, you talked about propaganda, that the media is peddling propaganda. Well, I can tell you what I know from my experience yes. as a journalist, right? I mean, we would sit there and rewrite our copy, whether it was for CBS News or 60 Minutes, and we would rewrite it a thousand million times. We would fact check it a thousand million times. And then we would still go through it and say to each other sometimes, you know, is that accurate? And someone would defend what we'd written. And we would say, yeah, but you know what? It's still misleading, right? Yes, we can stand by it, but if somebody were to just hear that, they would have this impression, and that impression is completely at odds with what we know to be the truth here. So we have to be honest and do the right thing and alter the language. So that's a very subjective process, and mm -hmm. it's a very subjective way of looking at it, right? And what I've said always my whole career, when everyone has asked me this question, we as journalists make subjective decisions every day in our work. The stories we choose, um, where we feature people, how much time we give them, there are some other factors in television. You don't give you know, a whole bunch of airtime to someone whose accent is so strong, nobody can understand anything right. they're saying, right? That's the nature of the business. So w when I see something like that, why would it, how would it have hurt the journalist to put under there that this is the case, that people don't believe this, however, the data shows that this right. is what th right. the facts will be. And, but my first question is, who paid for the study? Mm -hmm. Right. That's my first and, question and always with that. every study. You, you never see that. You never, you never see, see that. You never see that. And, and that is really one of the biggest unanswered questions in all across the news spectrum. When you see people showing up protesting in the wake of the Parkland shooting, who paid for that? Mm -hmm. who, who organized it? Who organized the protests? It doesn't take anything away from the protesters to ask those questions. I, I'm not debating the merits of what they're there for, but for any protest, that's always my question. 
regardless of what follow the, the, the issue money. is. Follow the, follow the money. You follow it in terrorism. You follow it all over the place, right? As journalists, that's part of our job, right. part of our duty. Let's um, try, in science there's the phrase discrete, so you analyze something discreetly. You, you wall it off and you look at that phenomena. Let's try to be scientific as much as we can. Yes, media is involving subjective application of choices, but as a media professional, let's look discreetly at the last two and a half, three years of the media. Lara Logan, what do you say about the last two and a half, three years of the American media? Well, I like what you're getting at here, because as much as I've said that there are subjective decisions, you are correct that there is a process that is um, a somewhat objective process, actually. And it's based in a tried and true uh, method of journalism that I did not invent, and I am not the only one following it. And I inherited it from many great journalists who came before me, and I, um, and I hope that we're all passing it on. And that is that you independently verify what you're told. And you always look for first-hand sources. And the general rule of thumb is two first-hand sources. In impossible situations where you can identify people and there's a, a you know, reasonable explanation for going with one source, like the president actually said what he actually right. said, right? That's different. But it doesn't change the fact that you always look for what you can verify independently. And that process exists um, almost separate from your opinions, right, and from your bias. And it, it's there for the very reason that you have biases, right? It's there to save you from your own bias. And it's an independent process that all of us can rely upon. Now, I, I, I am biased because for... We're all biased. Right, we all are. But, but in this issue specifically, because I was the subject of the reporting in the White House, so maybe I have you know, innate bias that skews my, my view... But don't you think, hasn't there been an explosion in the last three years of this unnamed source phenomena? Yes, there was. It, it looked, you know, it went, uh, it went crazy in the wake of the election of Donald Trump. I mean, all these things were present, but they were much, um, you know, they were much more insidious in a way. And they were much less uh, noticeable. And in fact, the good part about this is that people all across America are seeing this for what it is. And, and, you know, once these patterns emerge, they're not difficult to spot. You can see them in uh, civil rights organizations. You can see them in consumer advocacy groups. You can see them in so-called nonpartisan ethics watchdogs that used to be nonpartisan and no longer are right. because they've been hijacked by organized propaganda organizations like Media Matters for America. You see it all across the spectrum. I mean, it's in political opposition research and, you know, consulting and data and things like that. And... Um, and it was almost like the lights came on in the wake of the election and all the cockroaches went scurrying. But, but is it, that's a function of Donald Trump because he called them out. Well, if, you know, there are many people in this country who will tell you that's why they voted for Donald Trump. But if you look at the Media Matters for America strategic document, their plan in the wake of his election, part of it, what they say in their own words is to resist the normalization of Trump, to punish anyone in the media who attempts to normalize him in any way regardless of the truth. Well, well look at Nielsen. Uh, but wait, the last thing yes. is also to make him the, um, he is, their statement is that he's the most unpopular president in history. So everything that they do is about proving that he is, and reinforcing that narrative that he's the most unpopular president in history. And they actually lay out that they're going to do this by an endless amount of breaking news that emphasizes cronyism, bad deals, collusion, and all of these negative things. But you've seen all these narratives play out 
across the media. So these are, these, this is, they're very good at what they do. They're very successful and they're very well funded. Lara Logan, what is the connection between James Comey and Kirsten Nielsen? Well, that the, the Democrats um, hated both of them until they were fired by Trump, and now suddenly they're <laughs> defending them. So it's just about narrative. It's about utility and the narrative that James Comey is the most upright individual there is until he makes that 14-minute press conference saying Hillary Clinton had 108 classified emails on her unsecured server. Then he becomes the enemy. Then he becomes the good guy again when they think he's going to take down Donald Trump. And then what do we have for the last, uh, when did Kelly become a chief of staff? Let's say for the last 18 months, Kirsten Nielsen is an animal separating children from their parents, just the executor of Donald Trump's Evil white woman. Evil white woman, an executor Mm. of his policies on the border. And as soon as she is removed from office... She she was removed because she was upstanding and resisting Donald Trump. Is that the state of journalism today, Lara Logan? Well, it's just transparent, right? I mean, people um, all across this country see through those narratives. And what I find so interesting and so telling, you know, I, I always say this as a journalist, right? Because that's really how I approach these things. And uh, in the during the election campaign, I read a fascinating article. I believe it was in Politico magazine, which laid out step by step how the Democrats planned to take out James Comey after Hillary Clinton's election. It was all about um, an FBI director who, who uh, was a runaway. A rogue. Uh, a rogue who was, um, you know, drunk on his own power, who was um, blocking the White House on Apple software and their initiative there, and who was, you know, who has, had become sort of giddy with his own power and was out of control. And, you know, you could see them staging to get rid of James Comey. After the election. So, so this is, you mentioned this in the break. I, I spent almost a decade teaching the strategy of Al-Qaeda and global jihadism. There's a parallel here between what the left has become today and its radicalism and the global jihadi movement. That Their plan is out there. They, they don't hide it because there are no consequences for what they do. They're public about their plans. Well, that's where they separate, right? Because Al-Qaeda tells you exactly what they're going to do right. because that's a form of how they communicate yes. with their, their people. And, it's uh, tradecraft. And they don't care. It's tradecraft. Right. Right. The, um, the progressive movement tells you exactly what they're going to do because they know there's no accountability right, coming. Because they can. Because they own the media. Right. There will be no, no, no negative consequences for them. There's no consequences. And there's no, there's no, you know, there's a double standard. And that's what bothers me. If it were, if they were reversed and it was, you know, the right doing what the left is doing now, I would be saying exactly the same thing. I just, I, you know, I have to keep saying that over and over again because they keep falsely labeling me, right? I'm not going to be labeled. You know, I'm an independent well, that, voice. That is Nobody one of the most powerful me. things you can do. If you deny their attempt to use taxonomies and categorization on you, their whole system breaks down. Well, it's like it's like saying that uh, that Breitbart is the alt right and yes. white supremacy, right. right? It's just not true. Right. It doesn't stick anywhere except the ideological ground where there people are inclined to believe it because it's just not true. But how do you defend against that? How do you prove that that's not true? You know, day after day after day. Well, what doing, have you learned? Well, I was shocked by what I've learned. So, how did you respond? How how do you defend yourself? Because I've learned a few lessons. I'll share with you if you want. But what has Lara Logan done? Well, I, uh, you know, the thing is, I don't really have a choice. It's in my DNA to be consistent. It's in my DNA to stand up for who I am. It's in my DNA to stand up for the truth. That's all I've got.
right? I don't have pots of money. I don't have anything else. I don't have an empire behind me. I don't have a whole staff who all they're doing from morning to night is looking for ways to silence, silence, intimidate, and punish journalists and anyone they see as a threat. You know, those are their words from Media Matters for America, right? They have, they have an army of journalists across the spectrum who are, um, who are doing their bidding and who are walking hand in hand with them. The only collusion that I see is between this propaganda organization and the journalists who are, are uh, doing their work for them, their dirty work, by the way. So um, the way I do it is to stand up for the truth, to stand up for real journalism, to take journalism back to what it's supposed to be before it was hijacked by these um, propagandists and dishonest people and people who are politically motivated and um, and to rely on the fact that uh, that people know when they're being lied to and deceived and they know when they're not and that honest people everywhere want to have this conversation. And I know they do because I get stopped by men, women, you know, people of all colors, of all races, of all religions in this country, of all sides of the political spectrum. You know, I have I have uh, relationships going from here to Timbuktu. Well, well, right? look, you have an incredibly powerful message because it's about the truth what we've described this rot at the heart this degeneracy at the heart of the media (laughs) how will it ever be corrected and you asked a very interesting question that i think is related share it with our listeners well my question is um you know where are the people standing up um to against this form of economic terrorism that's being waged against um, voices that dissent from the narrative across the media. For example, Tucker Carlson. So you mean the boycotting of advertisers? Yes. Yes. That's just one example. Laura Ingram, you know, and it doesn't, it's not about uh, that I agree or don't agree with with, uh, Tucker or Laura. It's not about the politics. It's about defending the principle that you don't leverage things like your advertising and dollars to silence people. Sure, any company has the right to do whatever they want, right? right. But at the same time, the, there's, it's obvious to everyone what's happening here because you're not seeing these boycotts waged against, for example, Joe Scarborough for that <laughs> for what he put on yes. television this morning, what you showed now, that me. That would be interesting. Now, you know, you're not seeing it happen both ways. So if you care about the principle that in a democracy you should hear all sides, you should hear more than one view. If you understand that the reason Fox News is as successful as it is, it's because there was nobody else. Right. There were millions of Americans who want another view and they weren't getting it, right? If you care about that principle, then why aren't you standing up and making sure that there's a foundation or there's a group of advertisers that when an advertiser is dropped, someone else steps in? Where are the foundations that support the people who are being targeted? It's hard for people to survive financially. Part of the strategy is to impoverish people yes, so course. they can't stand by their principles. Let, let me give you our experience or my experience here with a national radio show. You know this because you mentioned it in the break. There are people like Mike Lindell. He's one of the sponsors of this show, MyPillow.com. Incredibly successful man. He sold more than 44 million pillows, MyPillow. I wanted to buy one of his pillows just because he had the courage <laughs> did you buy to one? do what he did. Did you buy you know, I'm a down we'll pillow we'll person, but I'm we'll working you. on you gotta it. Try. So was I. You, you get to try. <laughs> um, look, what did he say? He's a man of faith. He was a drug addict. He saw the light, and he committed himself to the truth. And you, ask, you can ask Mike Lindell public, and he'll say this. He says, my whole point is standing up to the truth so they can bring it. They can try and boycott me, but when you stand up to the truth, it's actually you. It's a mirror image of you, Lara Logan. There's, he's, only, there's he's, only one truth, Sebastian. Right. There's only one truth. And you know the great part about that? 
That's what we work for as journalists right. because it's bigger than all of us. It's bigger than left and right. And the only thing that you know with absolute certainty when you're trying to figure out what the re- what's really going on with a story is that the truth doesn't change. Yes. You know, a Democratic politician said to me once, oh, that's not true because how you feel about it depends on it's affected by, you know, where you come from, the color of your skin, you know, whether you're rich or poor, all these things. That, do- that affects the truth. And I said, no, that doesn't affect the truth. It affects how you view the truth, yes. what you, how you feel about it, what you think should be done about it, how you perceive it, right? Those things are subjective, but the truth itself doesn't change. But look at what is happening on the left. Look at the Kavanaugh hearings. It was uh, a key moment. It was epistemological moment for, for all of America when Cory Booker, who's now you know, self-anointed running for president as one of the Democrat candidates – has this woman in front of him, Blasey Ford, and says the phrase, her truth. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean, her, her truth? That's fantastic. This is the postmodern, secular, relativist, mm. non-reality they created. It's not a reality. You know, you know what I want to tell you about the Kavanaugh hearings? I was gang raped and sodomized by 200 to 300 men, a mob, and beaten and almost killed. So when I see people say that they're standing up for the victim, right, you need to really be standing up for the victim if you make that claim. And not be playing politics. That's correct. And I don't care who you are. It makes no difference to me who you are because people stood up for me when I was raped. And I stand up for people who are, who are subjected to similar treatment. But you don't, uh, you don't get to pretend that this is about the victim when it's not. Okay. Can, can I ask you this, given, given that you brought it up? Yes. What did you think of the whole Kavanaugh hearing? I, I have to know. That's, what? That's, that's what I was... Uh, but what, do you, what did it leave you thinking about American politics? Well, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham said it best, right? You must want power really bad because uh, um, this is what you're prepared to do to get it. And that's why I go back to principles, right? What are the principles that were at risk during the Kavanaugh hearings? In one realm, it's about... Um, Christian Blasey Ford, in another realm it's about Kavanaugh, in another realm it's about the Supreme Court. But at the end of the day, there was a fundamental principle that was on trial. Truth. Which is, which is truth, but also innocent until proven guilty. Yes, right. right. Which and, is a function of the truth. And I, you know, I, and I, 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 I don't want to have this feeling, oh my goodness, if I say these words, I'm going to be cast as being a conservative. I'm going to be falsely labeled as being some right-wing, you know, nutter. That's not true. I, I just, I... I know that there are people who can separate the principle from the politics and who can recognize that you can't convict people with, if you're not in a court of law. I've never advocated that trial by media should replace real trials and real implementation of the law. You know, that, that doesn't help a victim in the long run. That doesn't help victims all over this country. It has its place, you know, exposing people who, uh, where the law fails and lets us down. And the media has a role to play in that, but it doesn't replace the legal system. And, and, and that's not our function. We're not lawyers in a court of law. We're not advocates trying to prove a case. But they've made themselves juries and judges. Well, and that's why I say we're journalists. That's our job. That's our duty. We're, this is a dereliction of duty. If we become politicians, if we become political activists, if we become um, act- activists or advocates, we are departing from what we're meant to be. We may want the same outcome, 
But at the end of the day, my job is, no matter what the facts, is to follow the facts where they take me. I don't get to hide things and cherry pick things to have a desired outcome or a predetermined outcome. Because you have an agenda. is not my job. Today, the president met with President Sisi of Egypt, Amana, who I met when he was just the commander of the Egyptian Armed Forces. Donald Trump has his moxie, has his mojo back. 40 seconds, let's listen to Donald Trump from today in the Oval Office. Cut five. President Obama separated the children. Those cages that were shown, I think they were very inappropriate. They were built by President Obama's administration, not by Trump. President Obama had child separation. Take a look. The press knows it. You know it. We all know it. I didn't have, I'm the one that stopped it. President Obama had child separation. Now, I'll tell you something. Once you don't have it, that's why you see many more people coming. They're coming like it's a picnic because let's go to Disneyland. President Obama separated children. They had child separation. I was the one that changed it. That's what the media haven't been telling us for a year and a half. Now they have to because the president was on message and he's got the fire in his belly back. Last question for Lara Logan. I was recently asked by a young black American conservative how to stand up for the truth in college. What would you say to young Americans who are thinking about working in the media or who are already in media about what they need to do with regards to the truth. I would say that freedom isn't free. And the First Amendment is first because it had to be first. The Founding Fathers understood that without accountability, none of the other freedoms and rights would be guaranteed. And that is a duty and a responsibility that I carry every single day of my life. And why? Because I was lucky enough to grow up in a country where the man who led the way for me and millions of others was Nelson Mandela. He spent 27 years in prison, was offered freedom many times, but knew he would never be free if his people weren't free and if he didn't stand up for those principles. So he stood when he was on trial and the South African government was about to kill him. He stood in the dock and he said, freedom is an ideal for which I would like to live, but it's an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Wow. Who are you and what are you prepared to do to stand up for the things you believe in? That's the challenge. If you liked our discussion with Lara Logan, follow her, Lara underscore J underscore Logan. It's okay. We've already agreed what the topic of our next discussion will already be. (laughs) God bless you, your bravery, your forthrightness. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.